Good evening, listeners, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. I am your host, Mike Keller, and I am joined today by, joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. Tonight, we're finishing off Mike's Out of This World Triple Feature with 1982's Night Beast, written and directed by Don Doler. <laughs> All right, Kit and Andrew, how are you doing today? Oh, very well, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing good. That's great. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. What? Okay. So, what is the what is the the thing about this movie? Like, I what's have a question the... too. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mine first, though. What okay. is like the? I think I have an idea of what it is, but I want okay. to hear it from you first. What the thing that made you pick this movie? And you've seen it before, right? Yes. Okay, that's yeah, important. That's it's important that I know that you've seen this before. Okay, go ahead. So, <laughs> please answer the question. Do I need to hear Kit's question first too, or I think should I just you go do. ahead and answer that? I think it's a related okay. question. Okay. Okay. I remember when you were when you pitched this triple, or like you emailed us about it. You said you said these three movies: one that's this, one that's this, and one that is just one of my favorites, or something like you said something like that. And I Ooh, don't know which okay. one you meant when you said that. And yeah, I'm, that's okay. important. I got to know. <laughs> so, Invaders from Mars is one of my favorite movies. Okay. Great. That's okay. good. Night okay. Beast is one that So, I'm making like a triple feature. And so the way you would, let's say if you had a theater back in like the 70s or the 60s, a triple feature might be uh like a studio picture and then the B picture that they sent along and then the triple aspect or you know, the triple feature might be just something you had around. Or mm-hmm. some really cheap product that somebody had made somewhere in, in Maryland. <laughs> and so <laughs> this one really would this to keep true to a, a triple feature for this. I had communion. So that was, you know, uh, not like a huge studio picture. It was kind of an independent movie, I suppose. Uh, and then Invaders from Mars, which, again, was kind of a small one. But I feel like communion would be like the new one that would dra- drag you out. Invaders from Mars would be the classic kind of revival house one they would show. And then Night Beast would be for the people who still aren't going home to go to sleep. You put on Night Beast for them. Was this made in Maryland? Is that why you said that? Yes. Yeah, it was made in Maryland. OK, because I saw corn at one point and I was like, was this made where Mike lives? And that's why <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was like, anytime you see corn, you're just like, oh, I, Mike. <laughs> Candace. <laughs> <laughs> I I was really yeah, I spent a lot of the movie really one cuz I I know um so tell me if I'm mischaracterizing you, but I think you you love movies that feel kind of handmade, like some go-getters with no money and a thirst to make movies. Mm-hmm. Like like you tend to really romanticize that process of very low budget filmmaking, especially yeah, I mean, when I... it's like especially when it's like really high concept, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so like something- He wrote is... rocks. Exactly. Yeah. So something that rocks. is reaching way outside of what its budget should allow. Right. Okay. 
but I well, think- I, I think there's I like the ambition and I like yes. they try to me a movie like this feels like you're putting on a show for your friends and I just think right. it's fun to see that okay I get that I think okay. I think that it's time to consider the other possibility, which is that sometimes people might just be grifting old people out of their retirements in order to make a movie. <laughs> no, okay. I mean, this was his job. Don Dolan is he made several films. He made. Oh, actually, I know. Yeah. I know. I spent some I, I I cannot tell you how shocked I was to find out that this was not his first movie <laughs> yeah. and yeah. and and also far from his last. Yeah, no, he kept um, working for quite a while. He sure did. His last movie came out in 2006. I watched a little bit of it, and I... 2006? I am I am amazed to tell you that the man has really didn't learn much in that time span. Yeah. Um, well... 25 years. Yeah, we can dig into it, but I have a fuck ton to say. Okay, good. That's good. Okay. Um, but, uh... Let's see. I actually wrote a note in case I had to explain myself. <laughs> I said, uh, I said, to me, this movie is an example of a supposedly terrible movie uh, that is so extremely pleasing on an aesthetic level that it becomes a good movie. Uh, so it's partially the cinematography, uh, but also just the fun of looking at the old clothes, cars and places. Um, and it's also such a pure 50s monster movie filtered through the 70s, even though it came out in 82, um, that it like feels archetypal like it's it, it, like in the simpsons they always had like the space mutants movies where it would just be a couple kissing in a car and then a mutant would pop up and they'd scream and you know like that was like their go-to like crappy horror movie and mm-hmm. so i feel like i feel like night beast is to me it's very watchable like it's pretty quickly paced uh because some of these movies like alien factor for example his first movie is more of a snore but i do like alien factor a lot um how but, could something uh, be more of a snore you should watch the alien factor. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike, I, yeah. I think it's really important. I think we know this, but I, I should we should just set, you know, sort of reset the precedent okay. that this is a safe space. Yeah, I think yes. you we're know, all we friends can, here. We're all friends here. And no matter what happens, that's not talking about one movie isn't going to change that. Right. right? But I okay. feel like I feel like we have to kind of like. I think it's also important to the viewer that, you know, they be allowed to get the, you know, each of our truths. Right. So mm-hmm. we have to we yeah. can't we can't hold back. You're wrong about the cinematography. <laughs> it is awful. Now, no, no. look, I will say it, 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 it accomplished. No, 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 no. It's okay. not it's not even bad. Right. It is nonsensical. No, okay? it's not. So the way that there's all the fog in the forest and the way they've lit it sure, and stuff like that. Sure. I like they the way had, that looks. They, they had a they had a fog machine and they <laughs> yeah. had a light in front of the people and a light behind the people. Yeah, so I like the way it looks. Right. So that is that yeah. is the absolute, truly the absolute bare minimum. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say it was like good cinematography. It's not like secretly good. This is nothing like Invaders from Mars, where it's like you got a B movie that has like A level talent. No, no, but it's not even it's not even ugh. it looks you know nice. What? Are- I think your ultimate okay. I do not think it looks nice. I can't believe I you're saying that, but I do think <laughs> that your <laughs> your ultimate movie, <laughs> and this is almost there, would be like people running through the woods with a gun, and there's fog, and it's nighttime. But it's like the logs yes. at Christmas <laughs> yes. time, like it's yeah. you know that, but it's just. <laughs> 
people running back and forth, which is honestly, this movie is so close to being just people running through the woods with guns. <laughs> like, and then occasionally a night beast pops up possibly mm-hmm. 95 miles from where they are. I have no idea where yeah. he ever is in relation to anyone, but it's like, yeah. I, I was, I, so I watched this like while playing Mario Kart um, and mostly just saying to Lee, I took zero notes. I said, I just kept saying, I hate this. I don't get this. And also trying to crack the code of like, why does he like this? Why did he have us watch this? Is it in Kansas? Is it, is there something that this director go on to like become a serial killer or something? Like there has to be some reason. Um, but it was truly just like so much, just one thing of like, right. People again, with a gun running through the woods, like just like shot different people looking for this thing. And then the thing pops up and then it kills somebody. And then they do that whole thing again. Anyway, back to Andrew. Yeah. (laughs) I just, I think it's, it's, you know, I thought maybe is this a so bad it's good situation. And it probably, I mean, I watched it on my computer by myself. So it's like in that case, I've, watched it in the worst possible way I could. I could see in a sort of like in a, in a, in a room kind of way where it's like uh, this this might like be like a midnight showing with your friends where you're laughing at it. Right. But it's also in some I I I have a note that is, you know, in some ways it's as bad as the room and in some ways it's far worse. Um it it lacks the I think the most basic mm-hmm. amount of filmmaking ability that you need in order to successfully create a movie. Yeah. Um, I, I felt I felt similarly that it's like watching it cuz I was thinking of it that way too. Of course I was like maybe this is kind of like but I don't think it's so bad. It's good. It's not it didn't really it didn't make me mm-hmm. laugh. Lee I think said he could s- see it that way like you know being fun to make make fun of in a group i was like it's just too much the same thing for me to like imagine that really but also just yeah. like it's like i was thinking like well we watched like you know party at kitty and studs all together you know or troll troll 2 or whatever but i agree it's like it's not enough of a movie <laughs> for me to to you, to you like can't see it follow that way. any you can't follow anything and part of it's that like is like the due bad guy's the... not the bad guy even like the night beast isn't right. the villain of the movie <laughs> no in a way no. <laughs> yeah the story the storytelling is very difficult to follow but you know most importantly it's just it's not assembled in anywhere near a coherent enough way for you to really understand ever what's happening like um even just like little production things like this has the worst sound in a movie <laughs> ever <laughs> truly ever it's um there are mo- there's a there's a moment when they're on that dirt road and they meet Drago for the first time mm-hmm. um and it go and it goes and what's what's the sheriff's name uh cinder so cool um it is cool it is very cool so anyway, C- Sheriff Cinder, uh, 
who looks like a dentist, um, yes. is, is standing there on the road and a call on the radio comes on. And prior to that moment, they are using, it's all gnats. It's all naturally, like whatever's, whatever's mm-hmm. on the set, sound-wise, the soundscape, all of it, that just whatever's coming through the mic with the dialogue, that's what the soundtrack is. Mm-hmm. However, when sound comes on the, ra- when, when a radio call comes in, that sound completely drops out and we go to, com- and it's just, it's folly. So it's, it's, it's a completely built soundscape. And I, but here's the thing. <laughs> so as soon as Cinder starts talking again, they bring that, the former <laughs> soundscape up in the mix. Uh-huh. And it is like, it's just, it's just a, a misunderstanding of, of what is actually needed skill wise to make a movie. Um, uh-huh. I never it's think this. I, I I will watch a movie and think like, all almost always like I could have written a better film than this. <laughs> like I could have had you know, but I never think I would give a better performance <laughs> than these people. <laughs> I could frame a shot better. I honestly think I would know more what to do with the camera than this person, which like typically baffles me, like how to put like you know, eye lines and all that kind of shit. Like, I don't notice that shit, at least on a conscious level. But watching this movie, I was like, I could have shot this better. Which means 100%, Mike, you could have. And Andrew, obviously, definitely could have. Kit, 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 you could have made a better movie out of the raw footage they (laughs) captured from this movie. Right, like just editing the the sound in in Pro Tools, you could have made a better soundtrack. Uh, which you know, I understand different tools than they had in the day, but mm-hmm. they were still making even in terrible movies. You still kind of hit. There's rules. The, there's rules exactly. And here's the right. thing: I under i I think I get why you think this movie, like the cinematography, looks good. Because here's the thing: if you pause the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, any individual shot looks at least good enough to be in a made-for-TV movie at this time, and maybe and then some. However, as soon as you hit play and motion, which is a very integral part of cinematography, <laughs> as soon as motion takes place, you're you you lose the right to say that because yeah. nothing. <laughs> No, you know, it's it's not so much that the juxtaposition of shots don't make sense, although that is 100% true, <laughs> but individual shots divorced from anything else mm-hmm. fail to make sense. I was shocked. Sure. No, and again, mm-hmm. go ahead. I don't think the cinematography is good. I think it's pleasing. It's like so, the way it looks uh, just... pleases me. <laughs> Do you enjoy okay. this on like a plan nine from outer space level? Like an Ed Wood sort of like... Well, this I think yes so and bad. no. And so, like, that's actually one thing I thought we could discuss is mm-hmm. I don't really like this ironically, but I do acknowledge that it's, like, bad. And so I don't know how exactly to parse all of that out, but, like, like this oh. is a so bad it's good movie. This is a movie that people would get together with with their friends and, like, <laughs> laugh about how inept it is and all this type of thing. Um, like, when I was watching, I watched it with Sarah last night, and... uh she just started like truck. I don't even remember what scene, but she just started chuckling at one of the scenes. It'd be like the, just a dialogue scene, and like just she was just baffled. Um, but I guess it's because like 
So I, I like regional movies like and when they're good, I love them like, you know, like uh, Evil Dead or something like that. Mm-hmm. But like I just like watching what some random group of people in Maryland tried mm-hmm. uh, and like for very, very little money. Um, and I don't know. I mean, he made a career out of it mostly. I think he Don Doler supplemented his income with like he did some journalism and stuff like that. Uh, and he did a magazine, which we can probably talk about. Eventually. I felt I felt um, like it wasn't. Like, speaking of the rules, like, it didn't play by enough of the rules for me to enjoy how much it failed. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, with, like, the room is funny to people. I mean, the room's just, like, our go-to example. Like, I don't give a shit about the room. But the the room, I think people enjoy because they know what a movie's supposed to be. And they see how it's going for that and failing, which is, like, camp-defined. This one is, like... It was not enough <laughs> a movie for me to enjoy very much the times. Like, it was almost a different genre of thing to me. It was, like, too shitty to for me to enjoy, like, a bad dialogue scene. Because, like, there's it, no point it, where it, they're, like, nailing it. Like, at least, like, nailing doing a movie enough for it to fall apart. And for it to become, it's just like the whole thing is just like throwing right. shit at the wall. Like I laughed a little bit at the beginning, the just the opening thing of the spaceship, like the little spaceship flying around, which like I'll give yeah. you that is like a silly, cute image. Like that little, like it's, you know, not a very good model, but it's like fun, to, you know, it's, it's to see that it's kind of kitschy. But even there, like I, that made me laugh at the way that, First of all, how long it went on that they kept showing it from like different angles that didn't like connect to each other in any way. And like, like I was already laughing at how broken just like the, you know, the, you typically like the ship would fly past something and then you'd see it from another angle that like made sense. And this was just like, it could have been 10 different ships. I don't know. <laughs> and it then it kept going on. So it's like, that was kind of funny. And I would say that was the peak. There was one other part where that couple are like cowering in the basement and yeah. they're just throwing planks of wood down the stairs for like 10 minutes. Yes. And then, yeah, because he uh, broke through the door. They couldn't the, afford an actual door. But yeah. the, ba- the baffling part of that is like, okay, we're building poorly, but clearly what's going on here is we're trying to build suspense to the creature breaking in the door. And like what we see is just like, a million shots of different planks of wood going down those stairs. The two people like cowering. The monster's hands not hitting anything, just waving in front of the camera. And then like after all of that, which seems like it goes on forever, the monster's just in the basement. Like, <laughs> like the monster's right, just... Right. Which that's yeah. kind of funny because it's like, even though they're doing a bad job, like I know what they're trying to do here, which is make me afraid of it. Like, you know, Jack Nicholsoning the door but then Uh (laughs) they skipped the part of it like sticking its head through or like seeing the door break down and that's kind of funny but like those are the only moments to me where there was enough structure to what they're trying to achieve for me to appreciate how badly they're doing at it and the rest of it is just like this like isn't (laughs) even a a thing to to, to me to me it felt like um 
So the first, the first thing you, the first like, uh, when a movie starts to take shape in the edit, the first thing you have is an assembly edit, which is essentially just like here are all your shots and they're laid out in roughly the sequence that the movie takes place in, and then from there you're taking shots and you're like, you know, with dialogue scenes, you're you're sliding some of the dialogue underneath, you know, the opposing characters. Uh, um, shot so that you can get reactions to them mm -hmm. talking and stuff. Whereas this is just felt like, especially with dialogue scenes, that shots and dialogue were just butted up next to each other. So it's like, I say a line, pause, cut to so much other pausing. other person, they reply, pause, cut to the original speaker. So it's just it's or like no pauses at all. It's 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 exactly yeah. It's the thing that you it's the thing that you learn on on day 1 of how to edit a movie or edit anything. It's just it's 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 taking the the completely stretched out accordion that is the all of the content of your movie and mm. bringing it together into being something a little bit tighter. And it, it, for me, this would be this would have been one that was unwatchable if not for this podcast. Like it's I could hard. not have gotten through it. It's hard to imagine. And again, I mean, maybe this is the point of the movie's favor, but it's hard to imagine having. Like I'm not a filmmaker, but having so little ear <laughs> or eye for like what a movie's supposed to be like you know like in those dialogue yes. scenes that you would listen to it back and go like got it I mean and I mean that's what we enjoy about like like I think like to me like the example of like an enjoyable to watch shitty movie is like Birdemic like I think that one is mm. really funny um, and it does the same thing where there's like the audio is terrible there's no pausing between people's lines or there's way too much pause behind you know between people's lines is like there's no sense of the rhythm of filmmaking but it's what's crazy is that like this man had a career for 35 <laughs> 40 yeah years and yeah. had like how did he it just seems intuitive. It's like, yes, you got to learn. You have to learn to be able to actually do it, but you don't necessarily have to learn to recognize it, you know, or to recognize that you do or do not have it. Like, presumably someone who makes movies has also seen movies. And <laughs> it feels like he hasn't seen one. There is a moment, it's right out of the gate. It's that it's that shot where the spaceship is, is hitting the ground and it's just yeah. like 10, basically it looks like this. I think they just reused the same three or four shots over and over again. Mm -hmm. But there's a moment where it cuts to some campers and, and the guy says, did anybody hear that or something like that? And... Here is the the true problem with that is one, they don't show the person being startled awake in their right. in their sleeping bag. You just cut to dudes sitting straight up, and he says, "Did anybody hear that?" Problem two, and the biggest problem is that you go from loud, explosive uh, spaceship sounds and ground, and you know the ship hitting the ground, and it's just like it's a a cacophony of sound. 
And then you cut to these campers in which somebody is questioning where those sounds are coming from, yet none of those sounds <laughs> are taking place in that shot. And then it cuts back to the ship. So it's that's the, the biggest problem is that the individual elements of this movie do not feel like they exist anywhere near the same space. Yeah, well, I mean, you could go to that basement scene again where, like, the the planks of wood are falling down the stairs. But when they cut back to the people who are, like, crouching at the foot of the stairs, it's not like there's pieces of shrapnel, like, flying into the scene where they're exactly. sitting either. It's, like, clearly these were just, like, completely different. There's no effort to, like, connect them at all, which does you make it, I mean, that's... the monster is. It's almost like... More like watching like a surrealist film where images are just mm -hmm. juxtaposed against each other, and like the point is that they have nothing. <laughs> like they're creating these these like they don't necessarily have anything to do with each other. Like it did, it did feel a little bit like that, um, but with boobs. I guess <laughs> is That's that the other part thing. of it? Is that part of That's... it? <laughs> is that like the boobs? What? Is that oh, like part why of I like it? the movie? Yeah. Um, no, 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 not really. I, I said got, to Lee, I was I like, got... I felt like the tan lines kind of ruined the boobs, and Lee was like, not necessarily. But I but for yeah, me no, they I don't I don't mind that. <laughs> no, but the the ladies that you do see in the movie, it's just kind of they're whatever. The lady I like in this one is the uh uh the mayor's assistant who's yeah, quite we know. she's great. Lee loved her as well. That <laughs> yeah, she was the, pretty good. They, I, I was, I and I even said, I said to Lee, cause like, I was like those, cause we, I don't know. We've been having some kind of disagreement about what boobs are nice. And I was like, those are uh -huh. nice boobs. And he was like, I mean, yeah. he couldn't disagree with that, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I think she kind of reminds me of Mary Vivian Pierce. Who's in a lot of uh, John Waters movies. She was one of the more fun people to watch for sure. What's too. That? As an actress, I thought she was one of them. She had, I mean, <laughs> some yeah, liveliness. There's something to her. <laughs> Yeah, um, but uh, I think that's another part of this that probably is there for me that's not there for you guys is, like, I'm a big John Waters fan. And so, like, his, I mean, he's Baltimore, Don Doler's mm -hmm. Baltimore. So there's kind of this, like, I don't know, maybe there's something there where it's just, like, I've, I've seen enough shit that this to me, like, I don't know. I also thought that was interesting. You mentioned it's kind of like a surrealistic movie or a... Uh, yeah, that's what you said, surrealism. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, those movies, so, like, when we watch, like, Unchan Andalou, mm -hmm. the, the Dolly one, like, we know we're watching it, like, oh, this is, like, this is Dolly, like, this is, you know, this is supposed to be weird and all this type of thing. And so I feel like Night Beast is in a weird spot where it's not a movie, like, we know a movie, but it doesn't have, like, the pedigree of an, a surrealist movie, or it doesn't even have, like, the introduction of, like, here's a movie that we're trying to be, here, we're just like you, we think and see things like you, but we're trying mm -hmm. to mix it up in this way, which is kind of with, like, surrealism, like, you have to, like, think you're starting in the same place together, right. and then they're showing you something odd, and where Night Beast is just, it's odd, it's, like, mm -hmm. it, it's, it doesn't seem like, he, he's not trying to be it's not like a tongue-in-cheek bad movie. No. Uh, but he's also making a monster movie, so it's not like He's trying to make That's a good movie that would have mm -hmm. like an Oscar, get an Oscar or something. So it's just, I feel like it's, I really like, it's about the vibe or the atmosphere. And I think watching it and I'm not knocking you, I think watching it when you're playing Mario Kart or like you said, <laughs> watching it just on your computer, I think you, not that you guys would have liked it more that much anyways, but 
like the first time I saw it, I was just alone in my living room watching it on the TV and I, I liked it quite a bit, but like, I don't know. I no grand point, but I, I think that like, there's just something you kind of have to like get pummeled by this movie. And like, I mean, I, the part I laugh at hardest in this movie is the uh, pool party at the mayor's house. Or yeah. The, that was, yeah, the that was, house. yeah. That's funny. Yeah. He <laughs> fires a gun and like everybody starts fleeing. Um, it's just some dude's split level house. Yeah. Also, yeah. Lee pointed out that that guy, the pool party guy, looks exactly like Ed Norton. And from that point on, I enjoyed the <laughs> yeah. movie like a couple of percents more. That's, <laughs> yeah. He looks so That's much. Good observation. I mean, the pool, the pool party scene is more the kind of thing that if it was if this movie was all that, I would have been like, I know why Mike assigned this. I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it, but I've been like that. Like, I get it. Like this. Yeah. This would be like that kind of scene would be f- potentially fun to watch with like a group of people and, you know, laugh at and make fun of and, and yeah. just like kind of delight in. But the, but that the rest of the movie is just I cannot stress this enough. People walking through the forest with guns. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. I've over this, and over. I, my issue is that I don't think. Uh, I don't think this movie <laughs> has because you're I'm, I'm I'm and again, Mike, I love you, man. We're friends, and no matter what happens in this episode, it doesn't matter. This it's, movie is, I gotta is, pause. It's crazy how much people preface almost everything they say to me anymore, whether I'm talking movies or anything. It's like, Mike, I love you, but good Lord. I, I, I just, do, well. <laughs> I do think you have a knowledge, like you're immersed in this. It's not really a genre, but like, I do think there's truth to like John Waters and like, the appreciate like the fact that you are like this lady looks kind of like this other lady no one's heard of like but you have and that there's just a kind of like tone that you can get into rhythm with that you can't if you don't see a million of these here's the thing i don't i don't think this movie has an atmosphere in the way your maybe the audience will think that you're referring to i think the the atmosphere comes purely from the filmmaking because the movie doesn't really doesn't really create any sort of sense of consistent atmosphere i don't think i don't think it's got either. a smoke machine they have a smoke machine so <laughs> during the night scenes there is smoke and if right if that's what you mean then that's fine but i think the no, atmosphere- just even like the houses the wood paneling the cars like 1981 uh, is an atmosphere i guess it's it's yeah. the shit they had on hand none of it most of it doesn't actually make sense for the movie they're making uh you know the mayor's house being like some regular you know suburban house or whatever just it's is, a small it's, town it makes sense but again small town we never see the town we don't know who right. the town's people That's true. Are. you know what i mean it's it's imagine how much more you'd like this if we saw the town mike yeah there's yeah. no <laughs> there's no establishment of a real place or a time or anything there's just people's backyards and um forests and a shitty pool i mean you Actually, really you real that's I mean that's and that's sort of my sense. It's like you really can only watch this through the filter of other movies you've seen. But I feel even like. that even that does not work for me because no, it doesn't. You work know, you're for working. Me. <laughs> I know, but we're comparing it. You know, he's comparing it to kind of John Waters. I don't agree. Like I think John Waters, on a technical level, even and I truly do not like. I like John Waters as a human being, 
Um, and some of his movies I enjoy, even when they're bad. But I think, like, if I'm thinking about, like, Pink Flamingos as, like, that movie is, and I don't like that movie. I hate it. I think it's, like, nails on a chalkboard, and I think it's also supposed to be. This mm-hmm. movie is, like, nails on a chalkboard, and it is not supposed to be. I do not compare, I cannot even equate this anywhere close to John Waters. John I Waters is David Fincher compared to this guy. Right, but I think that's kind of potentially, if I may speak for Mike, Mike's point is that it's enjoyable to see someone really doing what John Waters is pretending to do. <laughs> like, yeah, in a way. Like, John yeah. Waters is like a rich, smart, sophisticated, and I'm talking like, as a kid he was, like, right. person. And he's so making trash deliberately. He's making a much worse movie than he could, making much worse films than he could make, you know, if he wanted to. This right. person is just really that untalented. So we're <laughs> saying, we're we're saying the the success of this movie lies purely in its complete and utter failure. I mean, it is an aesthetic in the sense that failure is an aesthetic. I think, or that <sighs> people getting together. And people who don't know how to make a movie getting together and making a movie is a mood, <laughs> I suppose, yeah. is, a, is a thing. I don't think... But I think that's romanticizing... I think that's that's romanticizing the stuff that's not actually... Uh, I don't know. I don't... I just... I feel like that's... That's what we're bringing to it, which is fine. We can do that with yeah, art. But I just it, don't personally think that... Th- I don't find... You know, I feel like professionally, though not quite in the same way as Mike, but I mean, if watching shitty movies was a full time job, like sign me up like I it's not this particular kind of shitty movie that I enjoy usually, though sometimes I do. But I like to, you know, I like to watch something that's bad and find the best thing in it sometimes more than I like to watch something that's really good, which that probably also offends Andrew. But this this didn't for me have any of the charm that you can sometimes get out of that experience or the person where you're like like you know if if like i said camp is somebody striving is camp is like and i don't and i, I don't think mike is even like i don't think you're a fan of camp really but like oh some I do of it think, like batman Sure, but I mean camp camp in the sense not like personally like he, Batman. He would like 60- to go to camp. Batman sixty six yes. is like that's what we refer to as campy, but I mean for, in a kind of like formal theoretical definition, it's not really campy because Batman sixty six knows exactly what it is and yeah. is doing that extremely well. To me, like the definition of camp that's like striving, like where the viewer knows what the thing is going for what the thing is trying to be, what they think they're they're nailing and so not, and that the enjoyment comes in the distance between what they're striving for and what they're achieving. And so you right. have to be aware of what they're trying to achieve and then also how they're failing to do so. This, I think I don't know <laughs> what they're even really going for. Like there's just not enough there there for me to like enjoy, like, you know, Birdemic's very easy. They're trying to do the birds. <laughs> so it's like, I know exactly what movie they're trying to make and failing to make. Uh-huh. And this, it's like, 
I mean, you've seen a lot more of this kind of movie than I have in terms of like an actual like like you were describing a 70s monster movie. And this right. is, you know, 81 kind of like, you know, when a different when more like a slasher type thing is going to like come, you know, take over from that in terms of like what's the, sh- you know, shitty level of movie, like the cheapest, mm. crappiest level of movie. But. I and so maybe if I had more experience with those kind of movies, I'd be able to see like, oh, this is like the scene, like you said, where the thing pops up out of nowhere and kills people. But it's mm. just like it doesn't even have. It's just. It's so much just people running back and forth. <laughs> like And in ways you can't you cannot track. No. Yeah. yeah that the was one, facial one of my notes. is very difficult. Wow. <laughs> uh, one of my notes was I like a lot about this movie, but nothing more than how the town reacts to the night beast. They don't give an inch and they never stop shooting at him, even when it makes zero difference whatsoever. <laughs> the guy uh, says, in some movies like... the character o- are always on the run from the creature, but in this they're like completely relentless they just do not stop attacking the the night beast i love that (laughs) even like the guy announces like we need like he says possibly more than once like guns do not do anything we need to electrocute this motherfucker and then the whole final act of the movie they're (laughs) constantly shooting at it yeah and also i just i think that's part of uh and i guess this sounds ironic but i do genuinely like that but like I I just think and I don't think it's like it's consciously like uh, making fun of that trope of like running from the monster. So instead, they're just attacking it. No, Um, certainly not. But (laughs) yeah, no, not at all. Well, I was. Yeah, I I just like that attitude of like, like you just think like think from the monster's perspective, like like you (laughs) land and you're just like, holy shit. And like you just have all of these people just like shooting at you for. I was equally baffled by the monster because like I. It seemed like the only thing he had to fight with was a gun and the gun did different sing- different things every time he shot it seemingly yeah. like and like when that guy's arm falls off which was like the arm falling off was funny but i had to yeah. ask lee like now does the gun shoot people's arms off and lee said no he just like hit him with his hand yeah he just he just hit him so sometimes he, he hit just him hit with somebody his hand and, and like sliced his hand off. off but it's like that's like i could not keep it like and sometimes it like light you know it lights the like People who I thought he basically just like shocked, you know, because like in the beginning, he's kind of like it's like a ray type of right. thing. But then they'll show like, oh, a guy who's like has a bullet hole in him or like his eyes popping out and he's like bloody. And I'm like, do would a ray gun cause blood? And then when he does the car with the kids in it, they're just gone. Right. Like, I think <laughs> I think the ray gun could like disappear or like incinerate stuff. And then anytime you see somebody with like actual brutal violence on them, like, you know, gore or whatever, I think that's like, he's attacked them with his hands. I can't understand why someone with a ray gun that could literally just erase the atoms that constitute (laughs) a a, a human being or an object would also be so physically brutal. (laughs) Like would also use like direct combat. (laughs) Right. Well, the, yeah, the first reason I think he uses direct combat no, not the first time. Yeah, I don't know. But again, like, remember when we would watch the Sandler movies? I was like, you're just thinking about, like, you're thinking about this more than they but would it, have thought about this. But probably. I think it does. Oh, of course. But I do think it matters because, like, from a story perspective, like, I want to know who my villain is. And it Who is, is the night beast? It is, but it's strange. Like, I don't know why did he come 
to our planet. Like, why was he in that ship? Where was he going? What's he trying right. to do? And I think it's I think it's interesting on the one hand how completely uninterested this movie is in those yeah. questions. Because I wouldn't think you'd make an alien movie and not consider right. what's he want? <laughs> like, why yeah, is he here? Need, Where did he come much. from? We don't need much. Just a line of exposition right. but it's from more, that. But it's not even about what I, what I need. It's about, well, why is this an alien movie then? <laughs> like, yeah. if you're oh, not, yeah, sure. why isn't this a swamp thing? Or why isn't this a, like a mutant or something? It's just like, that's weird. And then the fact that truly, at, at you know, for large chunks of this film, the Night Beast feels irrelevant to the story. Like, and the greater right. villain like, seems to be that rapist guy. Draco. Draco. Yeah. Um, Draco is a great character. <laughs> we're like, our I also don't know who our protagonist is. Like, I think it was supposed to be Jamie or possibly Steven. There's like great curly hair guy. It was Cinder. Oh, well, yeah, probably Cinder. Cinder. Yeah. But, but it's not because the guy, I, the one, the other guy is the one who's like constantly fight, constantly like furious with the rapist guy and like ultimately gets him, right? And it's also just, yeah. it's weird. Like, for instance, that, that rapist guy is not. What, he's not killed by the night beast <laughs> like it's, it's like this yeah. whole side story of like an exploitation film or something right that has a different protagonist a different villain like and is does not really cross paths at all like the night beast plot has absolutely nothing to do with drago <laughs> right like the monster doesn't kill him there's just a separate like which I think they don't makes even the seem inclusion... to be aware of each other's existence. Right? Yes, <laughs> which I think makes the inclusion of Drago amusing. Like he's a very funny character, anyways, because he's like, like they're in the middle of the woods, and he rides up on his motorcycle to hassle, uh, right. to hassle the sheriff. <laughs> and he and lo- the he's like, it's, it's not like a dirt bike. He's on. Yeah. He's like a greaser yeah. on a on a friggin' like hog. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And then he just goes and he like kills that lady, and then yeah, he's just yeah, he's like he's just a bad dude. And uh, yeah, so it's like this town just they've got the night beast to deal with. They've got Drago to deal with. <laughs> I don't know. It just it, it feels I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's like so here, here's maybe this is how I should pose it. Like this movie has a cult following. And uh, uh, was it is it Panos Cosmatos who did Mandy? Uh, yeah. So he's a fan and he included a little clip of Night Beast in Mandy Um and so that kind oh, yeah. of led to a little bit of a resurgence. Um, but like, do you think that the cult is just like, oh, it's so bad we can laugh at it? Or do you think that like, I think, yeah, I feel like I I'm just kind of like it, it has to be. I, I don't think yeah. um, I don't think somebody who actually knows how to make I mean, I maybe I'm wrong, but I just I don't think there's any way. I mean, you're obviously the exception to what I'm about to say, but it's like I don't think there's a way to enjoy this on its own merit i think it has to be how people the just uh, the 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 enjoyment that people get from watching something that is not good i feel yeah. like what i've learned through this podcast and particularly through through your triples mike is that every there's nothing that doesn't have a cult following because it's like well that's true. like uh super mario brothers like has a cult following 
Yeah. Um, Kenny and Company. I mean, not really a cult, but you know, kind kind of that it's a like the whole country yeah. thinks that movie's great. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, America. Uh, not American Hot Wax, the one that we actually watched. Hollywood like, Nights. Hollywood, Hollywood Nights. Nights. Yeah. It's like, oh, this director did American Hot Wax, so maybe this movie. And I'm just like, <laughs> every. It's like there's somebody with you know our lives are lived on the internet now and with that mean you know comes there's some group of fucking weirdos who think that any can find something or some reason to appreciate i don't know it's so weird which like maybe that's well, a beautiful thing i don't know but it's like what i i couldn't tell you because like i said i don't think it is I don't think it is ironic because this is not ironically enjoyable. Right. That's yeah. That's kind of what I th- like. I don't, I don't know exactly how to phrase it, but the, I, I don't enjoy this movie with my tongue in my cheek, but I was also like, like I've seen avatar and I've seen mm-hmm. like the biggest Marvel movies and I don't enjoy those. I'll never watch any of those again, you know, right. but like night beast, I own it and I'll watch it again for sure. Like, it's just, and I'm not saying like, oh, I'm interesting, like because of that. <laughs> but like, I think it's just interesting that, like, I think it's interesting that Night Beast is a movie and that Avatar is a movie. And one of them costs like a billion dollars and mm-hmm. one of them costs like $14,000. And like, I don't know. Like, uh, this is the most compelling thing, case you've made so far for Night Beast, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do think it's interesting to think about certain directors like Rodriguez or Tarantino or Panos Cosmatos and how they are sort of famous for taking elements of bad or at least underappreciated works that they feel influence them and then reusing them in their own movies. But for me, there's a bit of a disconnect. Like, um, I understand why Tarantino would lift from Game of Death or Lady Snowblood but I really wonder what you could actually pull from Night Beast in earnest. Uh, I kind of feel like there's no place to really connect with it on a technical level. There isn't really much in the way of creative. Um, I could see this maybe being thought of fondly through the lens of nostalgia. I mean, I guess Mike is maybe proof of that or, or not. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It just, it's, it's weird to me. Um, like, how would you do that? And and also, you know, wouldn't there be a million other kind of versions, you know, executions of this general idea that have been done so much better that you would reference first? Um, so I, th- I think Tarantino is an interesting person to bring up in this conversation because he is someone whose brand is really liking, I think, what we could call B-movies. Um, or movies that were considered kind of trashy or second rate in their own time. And that's what he likes to celebrate and like t- take inspiration from. At least that's what he's known for. I mean, even Scorsese is kind of similar where he, though not quite as like tight of a brand, obviously, but that he would rather, you know, sell people on something that he, that they've maybe never seen before rather yeah. than, a classic, but I think with, with Tarantino, it's interesting and kind of like with what you were saying, obviously though, as much as he's taking inspiration from these movies, I agree. He's a much 
better filmmaker. He's a much better storyteller. Like he's taking like certain visual aspects or certain moments um, or certain stylistic things from those movies. But, but you know, those people could not have made Pulp Fiction. Like, and which even though, so to me what's interesting is like, even though Tarantino's brand is like all of these kind of, um, you know, lower art, things that are considered lower art, he's obviously also seen a lot of good movies, you know? Like, he's also obviously in there as, like, Citizen Kane as much as, like, you know, some kind of martial arts movie that he's a big fan of. Like... Yeah, absolutely. Where... So, I guess, just kind of, like, going off of what you were saying, is like, that's what he... That's what... I feel like all these people... Like, I assume Mandy guy, too. Like... He's also seen a lot of like very like structurally sound films and good like story movies, not just like styles that he particularly likes. Because I feel I still feel like that is there are definitely movies I like that are more visually interesting than they are textually (laughs) interesting or structurally interesting but for the most part, I think it's tough for something to really get into like the classic great film canon without having a great story. Whereas something can just have a great story and potentially make, it, you know, potentially get in there. And so, I mean, that's one of the things that like these kinds of certainly this movie does not have a, a story. <laughs> like whatsoever well and like earlier we were comparing this to or mike was comparing this to something like unchi and diandalu or Mm -hmm. you know other like kind of like surrealist sort of things and you know again to that i say there's some there's something else that's being brought in some greater understanding of something i don't necessarily think that uh boonwell and dolly necessarily knew like the ins and outs of filmmaking but there's some understanding of composition some artistic intent there's something there that the audience can connect to i mean maybe not necessarily me personally uh because i think that movie's few minutes and it feels like four hours but um <laughs> but somebody somewhere can, I, I mean and I, i'm saying this and and you know, the guy who can connect with Night Beast is sitting running right in front of us. But um <laughs> Yeah, there's just there's something there's something missing that I can't connect Bring to. to it. It's like it's mm-hmm. like it's like when a when when a uh you know, when a director or a movie doesn't give you necessarily every single thing, but you know you know somewhere in your head that the mm-hmm. director knows. That the people who making who are making this movie, at least I know that they know. Like maybe maybe not every single thing was given to me, or maybe things were shot in a certain way that maybe is like purposely silly. Like looking at like um, Love Witch from a couple years ago. Yes, like yeah. that movie is purposely trying to look like a shitty movie, not shitty, but you know, like a movie from the seventies, and it's <laughs> done so lovingly. And also, I hate that I'm kind of you know, I'm not totally sure what point I'm trying to make, but I don't want to be like, you can only, a, a bad movie is only worth watching because 
the person right. knew it was, you know, knew mm -hmm. that they were making something that was intentionally bad. Like, I, I don't know. There's, it's now we're getting caught up in like, you know, what what makes art, you know, valuable. But I think that's I, why Mike likes this is because it is so unself-aware or unself-conscious maybe is the way to put it that mm -hmm. it has all of the ineptitude of a John Waters film, but with none of the winking. <laughs> in but, a way. Right. Which like when I first saw, I think the first, well, I probably saw cry baby or hairspray, but the first like actual like John Waters movie I mm -hmm. saw was pink, pink flamingos back in high school. And uh, that was a fun one. I should say to watch in my parents' basement while they were upstairs. Um, <laughs> Like just praying to God they would not come down at the wrong moment. <laughs> um, but I, what I initially, I, I actually went back and I was surprised. I looked at my blog uh, from 2003 or whatever it would have been, and I really didn't like John Waters that. that much. Because what's that? I remember you not liking that movie. Yeah, and it was like <laughs> I felt like it was like like somebody who knew better, sort of like slumming it and like making fun, mm -hmm. like a tour, um, like a tourist or something. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like I want the actual weirdo. <laughs> you and found it, baby. I've, I've come to yes. Well, so yeah, there's definitely people who are just actually weirdos. But I've also come to appreciate how John Waters is a weirdo within the higher cultural circle that he you know travels in. And I mean, he's now like, I mean, probably the the culture has redefined itself to the point where John Waters is just he's a normal man, and you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, which is cool, and you know. Um, but but yeah, so that did initially turn me off. And then I kind of had to learn to appreciate John Waters. And mostly I still think the best stuff he's done, like like objectively, the best stuff he's done is probably his writing. He's a tremendous writer and he's an extreme. Mm -hmm. Like if you listen to him talk about like books and like literature, I mean, he's like extremely literate, very, very smart. Uh, and I think he's a great writer. But then like if you watch Pink Flamingos or Female Trouble, um, now, so now that you know him a little bit better, you go back and you're like, holy shit, the dialogue in these movies is hilarious. But it's just like it's just you have Baltimore people like screaming it at each other. You kind of mm -hmm. miss the nuance, like the subtle joke or something like that. Um, anyhow, so that's more on John Waters. But I think with both you guys talking, I think the consensus we've reached maybe for Dol for Don Doler is it's not surreal. It's not. Uh, so bad, it's good tongue in cheek. It is outsider art, maybe, is where we would yeah. put this. Like, this is just somebody on the outside who gave it a go and like, wow, like, look at that, you know? Um, that's but I my... think boring. It's yeah. boring right. outsider it's, it's art It's not for exciting, me. yeah. Right. So I guess, yeah, so it's somebody on the outside. Can... Uh, here's, here's some. Received here's some... differently by all of us, but we, yeah. Yeah, Here, sorry, go ahead. You no, know, no, here's what I would say in favor of Night Beast. It almost feels... <clears throat> And this is kind of why I was asking early on, you know, like, what's the thing that Mike that Mike likes about this? And what is the thing that Mike's bringing to the podcast by making us watch this? And I kind of think there's something about when it came out, 1982. I mean, this is a few years after Star Wars. Um, uh -huh. it's, a, it's a few years after Jaws. And there's something there's something in there about trying to achieve uh those types of movies with not even like a low budget but just like nowhere near the money or the talent or anything needed to come close to doing that but persisting anyway yeah <laughs> um 
And this is like this is not like watching um oh god. What's a what's a movie? Um that I could I don't know. Watching, you know, uh any number of like rip off like like Orca or Tentacle right. or, or something like you know, one right. of those movies where it's like they saw something I mean Orca had money, obviously. Probably more money than Jaws. Um but Dino. Yeah. But just I'm just thinking of like other movies that like okay, Star Wars or whatever other movie paved the way for something. And so we're going to, we're going to go out and we're going to do it. Um, this is like kind of below even the, mm -hmm. the, the bottom threshold for that. But there's still, there's still something buried in the, the general idea of the movie and like how the story, I put the story in quotations, uh, kind of plods along. There's something about it that feels some maybe like a tenth of a percent in line with something that I would enjoy like Jaws like they're they're you know mm -hmm. it's like I this is this is so far beyond benefit of the doubt but just like not showing the alien uh and showing you know in the way that you don't show the shark um there's mm -hmm. ugh, and that it's it's really hard for me to even say that um <laughs> Because I really just feel like they didn't know how to use a camera. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's something. There's there's almost something maybe that you can kind of grasp in there in the feel in the way that it feels like it wants to be a blockbuster. I think it was inspiring in the sense that it did make me go like, I could act in a movie <laughs> or. <laughs> I yeah, could like like true, truly yeah. I never like I'm I'm the worst actor that I know and I watch this and I go I would be better in this than any of these <laughs> people basically like I could more convincingly say these lines or at I least I actually got cast in a movie one time did you yeah what uh, movie? it wasn't like a real oh I mean it was it was like an independent movie some guy from Lawrence was making but I worked with him at the theater and he had me like come to the library and meet with him one time. And he was a cool guy. Like it wasn't weird. Um, and I read a script, like I read lines with him and he was like, that's great. Yeah. Like, well, you know, I'll let, I'll call you again when we start shooting. And they already had part of it filmed. I have no idea. I, I assume he never finished it, but he never called me back and he had stopped working at the theater at that point, but I was excited. I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to be in a movie. I think you would so. be a good actor. I, I have always thought it would be fun. In 2012 or three, 13 maybe early 2013 i made a movie that was the worst it's the worst thing i've ever done <laughs> and i will say that like my wife denise is so supportive of me and my career to the point where it's like sometimes i'm like but did you really like it you know because she's just mm -hmm. she's amazing she's so supportive and she she genuinely thinks i'm the best but she even her you know, while we're watching a movie that I spent six months making. Yeah. Uh, she like in the theater was like, good God, this is so bad. <laughs> um, and it's true. Like I can't, I couldn't be hurt or upset, but, but there's things there's, there's in a, in a way, this movie makes me feel better about some of that. Some of the stuff that's in the movie. I well, good. So there's some, yeah, there's some there's some benefit there. There's some like emotional <laughs> catharsis that I'm going through right now. Good, having seen you can that start movie. to heal. 
And Mike, I, <laughs> I, I respect you and the movies. I'm serious. You and I, like we, we have this podcast, which we mm-hmm. like, you know, but it's like, this is like, 20% of the talk that we do about movies. Like we talk, like that's our, the, our, the foundation of our friendship is talking about movies. And I love that oh, yeah. because no one else will talk to me about movies for as long and as often as you will. And Kit. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I just want you to know that like, this doesn't, this doesn't impact that. No, yeah, I, yeah, I assume, I assume we're all good. I was, yeah. I was honestly thinking when you brought up that John Waters thing, I was like thinking like the thing about, being friends with someone for going on 20 years is like I I remember you talking about Pink Flamingos on your blog and it was very I mean that's what I said about John Waters in this podcast is informed yeah. by what you said <laughs> yeah. about Pink Flamingos and how you said how you said that he was like a um you know not actually an outsider but wanting (laughs) right you know acting like one but he's like kind of too too smart and rich and he has you know the luxury of being a shit kicker because like he's you know like he's not a true he's sort of not a true weirdo um which he is of course i think aware of himself but i remember you not liking pink flamingos and i mean that that like informed it's just it's just weird how like um I do think like as like even me not liking this movie is probably in some way like my taste, the taste that makes me go, I don't like this. You are a part of forming that. <laughs> that taste, <you> know? <laughs> I do. I do appreciate the fact that my like you, Mike, I think you like to lift up uh, common people. Mm hmm. <laughs> That sounds that sounds that that sounds horrible, but that's not uh-huh. what. I, but I mean, I mean, just like I'm a champion of the little guy. Not even that. Not even okay. that. I just I mean know. like the because I don't. I'm I'm thinking of the little guy as like most people in the world. So it's just like these are you you. I think like to celebrate just people in general, and I think that you are sort of. But I don't think you're one of them in the way that I think you might think you are. Um, I don't think you, I don't think think you are John Waters esque in a way because, like, yes, the definitely. more fucked up a person is, the more you're like, this is an interesting <laughs> thing. Yeah. Let's, and, let's talk and, about this. But yeah. then you're not like that. <laughs> right. And you're no, smart. I think, and actually, I think that's part of why I didn't like Pink Flamingos. I think there was like, I was like, this is like, like I could do this. Or it's, like, or it's almost know. like making fun if you're above it. Like, well, there's that, yeah. But it was yeah. kind of, yeah, like, mm, yeah. But you it wouldn't could, be right for would... me to like make fun of people this trashy, and so like, but at the right. same time, the characters in John Water, like, that's not. It's not like there's like a ton of divines out there in the real world right, that are right. going to be have their feelings hurt by John Waters, like, no, you know, blend them up. But no, I think but you sorry, would, you would make me. you would make like such a better movie than this, The Night Beast. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I would yeah. <clears throat> one of these days one of these days i just gotta get I mean, gotta is, like <laughs> buy a house first and then i'm gonna right. start working on the movie fund it's so. not like seeing yourself reflected because it's like well this is far below what you would <laughs> what you would make no, even if you had no, to Night do Beast all of isn't. it i'm no, no, more no. like pink flamingos where it would be like you know 
Yeah, Many sure. Houses. Yeah, yeah. What what I meant to say is that like I I I appreciate that. I think that maybe part of why you like Night Beast, and maybe we've I think maybe we've kind of made this point is that it's it is because it's obviously just like the most regular dude trying to make a movie yeah like this there's no there's no like hidden intelligence there's no mm-hmm. there's no winking it's all at out the there. audience it's exactly like the person <laughs> who the person who made this movie is exactly the person we think they are right i would say the the only mystery in this movie is how someone could make something so bad <laughs> to me. <laughs> like, can I can I talk a little bit more about I just want, I have a few more mm-hmm. just like technical things that like I yeah, have to run, get off my chest. Run through um, your notes. We we have now talked about the movie longer than the movie is, so we should probably Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um <laughs> The morgue is just someone's house, so that's fun. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> I got I, I wrote early on that I'm gonna be really sad if if somebody shows their tits in this movie. Me too. It was it was like such a bad movie <laughs> that I just I felt bad for the women. I just and well, just thinking about just thinking about the way like the way producers like are in like a cartoonishly cartoonish way, but also in a way that we know they actually are. It's yeah. like uh this was not so, the movie to give up the goods. <laughs> well, Miller actually talks about how uh I think the distributors or the producers Somebody wanted to pad the movie out with a little more gore and a little more nudity. And so the woman who plays Drago's girlfriend uh, or, you know, the woman that he beats to death, mm-hmm. um, she was his aunt's hairdresser, I think. Oh, and so he God. actually had to go to her and he said he was really uncomfortable about it. And he asked her and she was like, oh, yeah, I can do that. That's fine. And so he had to, like, request that. Um, but yeah, it was either her or the the, the deputy, uh, the female that, you know, when they have the. Yeah, uh, the sex scene, the, like the worst sex scene I have ever that seen. That is in my life. truly, it was truly. Um, I felt, yeah, <laughs> I felt um, sad for her. That dude was having the friggin' ball. Though, <laughs> yeah, guaranteed. I kind of thought the same thing. I was yeah. like, that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, good for that. I don't, um, I don't like when people are like. There's a line that sometimes I find gets crossed in like being pearl clutchy about nudity or the context of nudity because it implies that that women's bodies actually are like should be put on a pedestal to to the degree that you know what i mean where you can get yeah, so absolutely. like i i know like, i know like, I know titties aren't a big yeah. deal in the end so it's like why like this feels why are we pretending here's, here's okay sorry no no but this this would be like the er example of like if I was going to say, what yes. are the most egregious titties in a film? It would be a like rape scene that, you know, violent, a violent rape scene in a movie this terrible <laughs> that is not even perpetuated by that has nothing to do with the titular night beast for one thing like it's truly truly an aside like has nothing to do with the plot of this film it's like let's have a rape and then when 
this woman, you know, we see like the phone call, I think, where she needs help. And so we hear like, oh, she, you know, we, we're going to go. We're, I told her to pack her stuff and leave. And then we return to her fully nude, packing her things to escape the her abusive rapist boyfriend immediately following said rape and beating. And she's clearly naked only because it's like a naked woman. And the context of that scene is her escaping an abusive situation. And then, and so I was already like, hmm, that's pretty gross. And then for a nice little cap, you know, to that, she is beaten to death by that guy. Yeah. (laughs) So that woman... I don't know that she has any lines other than screaming for her life. She is raped, has a nude scene, and then is beaten by her rape, beaten to death by her <laughs> rapist. That's it. She doesn't even have the she. They don't even pay her the honor of being beaten to death by the night beast. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty bad. And then also they do the same thing later with the cop, the the deputy lady, where after she is assaulted by the same rapist, her top is much more open so that we can see her breasts right. <laughs> like as a result of the <laughs> of the assault that she has just experienced and it's so clear that someone just like ooh, but it'd be sexy if your top was more open because this guy was attacking you. yeah yeah so i mean and uh yeah i don't um i agree with you i i don't i i'm i love nudity i think it rocks <laughs> uh, uh you know, I'm, 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 I'm always like yelling, like flash those dicks, flash those butts, mm-hmm. flash those tits. Like that's mm-hmm. great. But uh, yeah, this was like, just, it was, it reached a level of like real true concern. And if it had been, you know, some dude with his hog, like I probably, I would feel the same for him. This felt more akin to that's like, that's a good point. This, this felt, yeah, I would have, I would have felt the same truly. Um, And this felt more akin to like somebody maybe making the mistake of making a, a a porn or something when they're like young and struggling and then just have it go on to be pressed into blu-ray 30 years later <laughs> um, so there's just like like i just feel bad for that person um yeah i mean so night anyway. beast we can say that like a, the, a service that night beast could provide mm-hmm. would be to like you know if you if you ever need an example of like what is the most exploitive use of nudity that you can yeah. have. <laughs> like this is a very good example. Um, have the lady get raped and then have her be fully nude, just packing her shit to leave <laughs> to, to leave the situation. What's, what movie is it? It's like I think it's like Airplane. It can't be Airplane because is is there one movie where like a lady with like huge boobs just like runs out? Like there's like a bunch of mayhem going on, and a lady with huge boobs comes out and like shakes him in front of the camera and then runs away. Bro, are you thinking of Soul Plane? Is it Soul Plane? I don't actually know. I've never seen Soul Plane. Okay, are you? Because I will tell you the largest breasts I've ever seen in a movie, <laughs> and you were describing a scene from Soul Plane. Uh, okay, but, okay, but maybe not. I'm sure that's happened actually in many movies. So sounds like we're gonna have to have a uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Mamie Van Doren triple feature. I Love think it. if you want to see some some big ones. Um, <laughs> anyhow, neither here nor there. Please continue so we can uh, um, wrap go it eat up. dinner. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. So the other that's no, okay. The the other than like the soundtrack stuff which we talked about um the edit not making a lick of sense um oh i did say i did say i made one comment about the way this looks i said 
um, my theory is that no one on this set knew what they were doing except the gaffer who worked on the night scene. So yeah. I don't think they look good, but I do <laughs> think it 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 is the only time where I feel like there is an understanding of like where roughly where a light should go. Like we like just knowing that like okay we want to we have to backlight this um this fog um so that the camera picks it up and we have to edge light the person so that they stay we can pull them out of the dark and we have to put some light on their front so we can see their face so there's just like really really basic understandings there um so i gave them that um the, the thing about the camera that i thought was really funny this happened so many times in the movie so a lot of times what you'll do is like an action shot you'll shoot an entire action and then you can intercut it with other things so stuff will ha so you'll have like two different two separate shots and then you'll cut back and forth between them just like a, a dialogue scene or anything else but i just noticed this that like somebody would be in an action moving towards the camera and they would cut to something and then cut back to them and the person would be just like a blurry blob in front of the camera <laughs> and it's because they didn't have a follow focus so generally you have like a first uh first uh uh, assistant camera or something or first ad or, or something not, not an ad uh assistant camera who will be working the focus of the camera while the camera operator is working the camera um and that way you maintain like as people move forward you know forward and backward through space you maintain focus um they didn't do that in this movie they just let people go out of focus and also they're using the part of the shot that's just like that's the part you cut out you don't use <laughs> you don't use the shot when the person is just the bottom of their jaw and the top of their chest, but they would use those portions. So I thought that was like insane. I've never seen, I've never seen that in a movie. You know, this actually somebody, a film professor should show night beast and actually teach like, this is what it would look like if you fucked up this way, this would, you know, yeah, like this is the bad examples. Yeah. That could actually be useful. But it's, um, it's interesting to me because I do think there's a certain, Here's here's the the truest. This is the best way I can describe how bad night beast. I really kind of think that if I there are some choices in this movie that I think I would know how to fix even if I've never seen a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think if I knew if I just just by seeing like oh the character is no longer giving us any like there's i no longer can see anything in this shot all i see is blur i would think i would know that like it is no longer producing the, the desired effect like if i really saw it and thought and sat and thought about it or like when i'm when i'm cutting between something uh two things that are in the same space and one of the shots has you can you know you can see that it's producing noise and then in the next shot, somebody's reacting to that noise, but that noise is not carrying over into that shot. I think in my brain, I hope that I'm smart enough to think, why can't that, that person's reacting to what is happening in that other shot, but why can't I still hear it? I would think that I would on some level be able to figure that out. So there are things in this movie that I think defy um, what I believe a sort of regular a normal level of human intelligence can achieve 
That's so mean. <laughs> but that's I think that's how I feel. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. I have a follow up on the jiggling titties from uh, airplane. <laughs> Um, there is a very long straight dope thread where someone uh, wonders the same thing as Mike. And it's see, at first I thought we might have a uh, Mandela, Mandela effect on our hands. Um, but it seems that that was in at least an original cut of Airplane. And some people, apparently there's possibly it's been there's a scene where a woman is uh breasts are jiggling alongside a plate of gelatin but then others say that they do remember it as you described it where it's just like a woman runs across the yeah. screen basically and it's and like it almost them. takes up the full camera like yeah i'll link yeah. here's here's the link to the straight dope I, for some reason i can't go to mr skin uh, on my computer to confirm um, is it your work computer no I don't know. Okay. It says it's blocked. It's bl- it says I have adult content blocked, but whatever. We got to get on Twitter. We got to start tweeting. Release the jiggle cut. We got to get this trending. Get you know, ch- and it could change. even be like Kentucky Fried Movie. That's what other people said. Someone was like, it may oh, be really? Kentucky Fried Movie because there's so much boobs in that. But no, oh, yeah. ever it seems uh, you can see that you can. I've linked you to the uh, thread, but uh, most okay, seem I'll to agree it that it's an, that it was an airplane. Some people say it was an airplane two because airplane two <laughs> had almost an identical joke. Um, okay, so <laughs> yeah, gratuitous uh. nudity is the best kind of nudity. Um, did you have more notes, Andrew? I mean, there's a lot of them, but it, I, that's Got the gist all. of it. So, but beyond this, okay. it's just it's just this movie's bad. I don't like this. Why are we watching? Yeah, this? I don't know. It's I don't need to pick on this movie any more than I think. Okay. Um, one other note I had was that the governor, so not the mayor, but the governor. Oh yes. Uh, he he kind of talks like Jimmy Stewart. Um, <laughs> I liked that. I think that was like most of my note. I laughed really hard. Yeah, the pool, the pool scene where he just like shoots his gun in the air and he's like, hey, everybody, there's a gas leak and everybody just runs for their lives. Um, and then on top of that, the sheriff's like, hey, good work there. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, Drago, uh, the sex scene. Drago's death was pretty cool where he like blasts him through the chest. Um, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so that, that's pretty much all I got. The. Uh, uh anybody did did you have any little stragglers i took zero notes about this film oh cool okay so then it's time for the cruise minute yeah um Um, you got something yeah i I watched uh rock of ages this weekend for the second time and i would say two things stood out i am certainly we as i was texting you I don't know that you should be allowed to consider yourself a Tom Cruise fan if you have not seen this performance. Um, it is singular in his oeuvre. It's Tom Cruise like you've never seen him before. Um, and y- you guys certainly need to see it. Um, but two things stood out to me on this watch. One, I had not believed it possible, but the movie is even worse than it seemed to be on the first watch. However, counterbalancing that, I think I enjoyed Tom Cruise ev- and appreciated Tom Cruise's performance even more. That's um, awesome. Huh. Yeah. So he, we have he, to watch that. He, he likes 
he likes that, uh, or he he likes his work in that movie. Like I've heard him. He should. Yeah, like he talks about um, how much fun it was to do that, and uh, I think that's cool. Like he, it's cool that he still finds things to do, even when it's like a smaller role. Like he just finds things that are, um, you know, things he hasn't done it, before. Just ways of like testing himself. It's not clear to me. I think he should have been able to tell what a disaster the movie would be, but it's 100% clear to me why he wanted to play that part. Hmm. Um, Lee and I were both laughing out loud at virtually everything he did. He's very um, funny. He's, he's, it's such a good, fun performance in a real, I mean, like, not, it's a really bad movie. Like, like it's not just like in con it, it, it's bad in a way that like we you know Lee was sitting like how did why is Al how did Alec Baldwin not read this part and know especially since he went on to like badmouth the movie a lot which I mean fine but like he should be ashamed I would be chagrined about even acknowledging that the movie wasn't good because it should have been so obvious like where there are scenes between him and Russell Brand that we're sitting there just like. Who shooting this was like, this will be something that people no. want to see. Like, Al it's that bad. Alec Baldwin, I think, is is the type of actor who sees, I'm sure he, you know, reads scripts when it's a director he cares about. Or, if, you know, I'm sure there are, there are times mm -hmm. where he truly invests himself. But, like, no way is that dude not getting. He makes horrible, like, taking, horrible movies. Yeah, he takes paydays. I think but, there's, but there's no way Tom Cruise did not read the script before he made this movie. Right. I think I, he just really wanted to sing and play a rock star. And he, 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 it, it's a shame. He, it's, he's fucking, I think, I think he's fucking great. I, <laughs> it was such a huge, it's possibly, first of all, it does to me connect to Lestat very strongly. Like Lee was looking at, he does so much hand acting in, in, in this movie. And we were just like, that's Lestat. Like that is 100% Lestat. <laughs> Um, and he's just constantly like whispering in people's ears and licking them and shit. And it's just like, <laughs> like, yeah, that, it, so it's, it's, it's totally worth watching, but it is like a two hour and 20 minute movie in which he is not the star. So, <laughs> um, and it's terrible, but yeah, he's great. Really great. Well, I can't wait to watch that for the podcast one of these days, <laughs> <laughs> two hours and 20 minutes and it's terrible. Oh my gosh. Um, I actually did think of a cruise minute. Did you want to go first, Andrew? No, you go ahead. Okay. Um, I watched the De Palma documentary from 2015 uh, earlier this week. And uh, he talked about uh, De Palma. He talked about the production of Mission Impossible. And oh, yeah. Just that. Yeah, he. I don't remember anything specifically. He spoke positively about Cruise, but I guess it, it was Cruise's first time producing a film. And so that oh, he yeah. was really like. Uh, very hands-on and things like that. But yeah, that's all I had. That's the only Tom Cruise thing that I brushed against this he, week. I Although I did see that uh, people are still chattering about his mask kerfuffle, or I, I don't know, not even a kerfuffle, yeah. his mask uh, decree and uh, sounded like his co-stars were in support of him. So Yeah, mm -hmm. Vanessa Kirby, that's my cruise minute. Cru yeah. uh, oh, okay. Vanessa Kirby responded to it and she's just like, well, I think being safe is like the message here. 
Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, it seems like that's if you get fired, like if you are going to shut down the production by not following the rules, it's probably okay for you to yell at your employees. Um, yeah, it's on. I think I think yell. I think having to yell at your employees is well, I don't think you ever. Part of me thinks you never have to yell uh, like that. But I I think I just I relate to him on a human level of like you're you're cracking like you're under the most amount of pressure I mean, aside from like a president on on the verge of nu- nuclear war, I mean, even just like, yeah, I mean, just thinking about like, 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 I don't think like, I don't think tr- partially because Trump's insane, but like, I don't think Trump ever felt as much pressure over coronavirus as Tom Cruise feels about saving movies. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's warped and it shouldn't be the case. But I think, <laughs> but I, th- but I truly think it is. Yeah. Um, and I think that like that is the most human thing that Tom Cruise has done uh, outside of a performance in a movie in like years is like kind of losing it on people who are threatening his job and everyone else's job. Yeah. Um, you know how every president ages like 15 years in the yeah. amount of time they're president? <laughs> yeah. And doesn't Trump look like exactly the same? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's true. Totally unscathed. <laughs> <laughs> I think being president yeah. has been really easy for him. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, fortunately, was, it was just it was a fun ride for all of us, really. So that was... I was going to say, yeah, it was fun. Um, I was going <laughs> to say something about uh, De Palma. I do remember I watched that documentary, too. I do remember it seems like either from that or other things I've read that he was like, yes, there was kind of like uh, Tom Cruise, like in the kind of producery role. But then also... If I recall, like Tom Cruise, like handpicked De Palma, yeah, um, mm-hmm. he so. and he's which is interesting. And, like, the studio didn't want him, and um, because you know he wasn't known for, right? He'd made Scarface, but like he also made you know just lots of like sexy little thrillers. So I think this was like not really seen as like a De Palma movie, um, but yeah. I do think it's really cool because you watch the movie and it's like, yes, this is a De Palma movie, and. I think it's interesting that Tom Cruise knew that. Like, I think that represents some serious vision. Yeah. I wonder, has he ever talked about why he wanted De Palma? Because again, like, you know, Tom, I, I maybe Tom Cruise has never seen a movie. We've talked about that before. No, um, I don't agree with that. I think, <laughs> I think that's why he picked De Palma is because he has seen a movie. Uh, yeah, but I just, he would never admit I wonder if he couldn't say why he wanted De Palma because that would require him to name a movie, a specific movie. Well, let me let me say this. At let me... the time, the Untouchables would have been still pretty hot. That's true. Um, that's that's true. true. Within yeah. ten years, yeah, that's for sure. That's true. Yeah. You're right. I think okay, that's a good point. But I think if I were to pinpoint something exactly, I feel like it's that it's whatever that opening sequence is, like where there where all the IMF agents are being killed. I think I think Tom Cruise knew from like some of the tracking shots and and, from, and scenes in like Dress to Kill and in um, Body Double. Like there's, I think I think he this is, I'm just making this up, but I think like you had to know that Brian De Palma is good at this specific thing in order mm-hmm. to pull off that sequence the way it's pulled off. I think that's yeah, a choice. I, 
because it's so yeah. it's so specific. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think. And re- with regard to that scene, um, De Palma said that the reason they opened the film like that is because so Mission Impossible, the TV property, people were like, well, it's going to be a group thing. But the the studio and then the producers, you know, uh, Cruz and Wagner, I guess. Uh, they wanted it to be a Tom Cruise vehicle. And so they were like, well, we have to kill off the whole team if we're going to make right. it a Tom Cruise movie. Interesting. Because people are going to expect it to be a, a team movie. Um, so I thought that was interesting, I, too. That's just I a great think, documentary. Yeah, it I is great. I think of the, um, the, where he's dangling, like that scene, and like the amount of tension in yeah. that scene, and like who's more known You're right. like, That's outside a good of point Hitchcock too. for yeah. increasing... <laughs> For silence and tension and right. like, attention to detail in scenes like that. Yeah. What a fucking great movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a very good movie. And just, yeah, thinking about that scene, too. It's just like, I remember oh, I remember oh, like yeah. being in the theater watching that scene and just being like, holy crap. Just the sweat, Jean yeah. Renault in the, in the air duct <laughs> with the rat. And oh, yeah, it's. Did it, you say you were yeah. in the theater watching that? Uh-huh. Yeah, I saw Mission Impossible in the Me theater. Me, too. Wow. Sir, my I dad took didn't. me on a Saturday morning to, I think it was Ward Parkway Mall. Back my, in the day. I can't, my, I mean, my mom liked like Jurassic Park and Twister and things like that. More kind of like yeah. Jaws style, like horror slash like adventure. Disaster, maybe? disaster, yeah. But yeah. like my parents, I can't think of a single like action movie that went, that my parents liked or saw when i was growing yeah no <laughs> like, my dad I and i don't... used to just go see movies like every weekend like it was kind of like get me out of the house give my mom a time to mm-hmm. just kind of have some time to herself and i don't know what stacy did i think she didn't come to the movies with us very often but yeah pretty hmm. much every weekend we would just go see like whatever the the newer blockbuster that was most appealing to us was so. <sighs> those were the good old days back when movies still came out <laughs> <laughs> Um, Okay. Thank you for joining us tonight, folks. Please join us next week for... But, Mike... What, Andrew? Trying to finish up the show. The audience want to know what we're going to talk about next week. The issue with that is, I don't know yet. (laughs) Yeah, I I was going to say, I want to know what we're going to watch next week, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Uh, But I'm still thinking... I keep thinking I know what we're going to watch, and then I give up. I I decide I don't want to. So I'll just say join us next week for a big surprise. There you go. And uh, Slow Motion Triple Feature was recorded in the basement of a doctor's office in rural Maryland. <laughs> Special thanks to our producer, Lee, the man in the booth who makes us sound great. If you'd like to contact us, please do so at slowmotiontriple at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.